I'm Melissa Kearns. And I'm Amy Yersted. And we welcome you to the 24th episode of the What Would Alice Paul Do podcast. This show is about demystifying what it means to be a volunteer with the League of Women Voters today. In this episode, we are continuing our five-part series. The information comes from Amy's training at the Virginia Progressive Leadership Project. The first edition was about finding our values to help us navigate what's important as we continue on our advocacy journey. We will talk about crafting your story, and be sure to check out our website, alicepaulpodcast.com, since we're listing resources that will help you with crafting your own story. A special shout out and thank you to Progress Virginia and Virginia Civic Engagement Table for resources we're about to share. And also, be sure to stay to the end of the show because we have an activist tip to share. Amy, you um, you had a fun craft advocacy activity recently, didn't you? I call I mean, I, I'm not calling it. There's actually whole books called this, but craftivism. Yeah, so I saw on Facebook one of my friends and a fellow organizer, uh, she's with NARAL, Virginia, she was hosting a future feminist vision boarding, and that sounded so cool. So um, she, they supplied all the, the materials and lots of magazines, and we had to do basically a giant collage of what we thought that the future of feminism would be. And um, I have mine sitting right next to my bed, so every morning I wake up, it's almost kind of like goal-orientated. Um, so this is like the future, like the, the perfect future Um if we lived in a feminist world. So it's awesome. Yeah. It's really therapeutic to make too. Was it, is it keeping you inspired for 2019? Especially once we move out of Virginia, because a lot of my um, ideal world is growing stuff. I, uh, I don't know if our listeners knows, I don't think I've ever mentioned it, but I'm a gardener and I, I love cooking and I love gardening. I love sewing. And so in an ideal world, I'd, I'd have a giant garden. I'd get to share um, my food with my friends and community. And so a lot of the pictures have to do with pe- people breaking bread together and growing stuff. So, yeah. So in an ideal world, it is a goal. One day I'll have my space and my green thumb. And I'm sure those um, conversations will be amazing once you can have them and breaking bread together. I know, right? Can you imagine like people hanging out, gardening together and talking civics and building community and learning to can and preserve food together? A lot of people don't know how to do that. And, um, you know, it's I think we each have a lot to share with one another. And so I think the food brings out that kind of warmth and uh, friendship. So, yeah. So my my feminist vision. (laughs) Do you know how to can? Hells yes, I know how to can. (laughs) Melissa, do you know how to can? Uh, no, I know how to eat out of the can. <laughs> well, that takes some skill for some people don't like doing that. But um, yeah, I can make my own jam and um, jelly beans and um, jelly beans. Yeah, like they're like pickled beans. Oh, they're so good. And then um, I can can tomatoes. And you know, it's funny because all of this stuff I learned from fellow women, they taught me. And, um, and now I know how. And so whenever I get a chance, I, I, you know, when I have the space, I try to teach people like canning blackberry jam is like one of my favorite pastimes. Girl, I even know how to make my own syrup. So what? come on now. Yeah, really? I can, yep, I can tap trees and make syrup. So. Well, you like, um, didn't you, you forested for like mushrooms or edibles, right? Yeah, That's I'm not so thing. good at that. I, um, I will eat anything pretty much. And so, yeah, it always gives my husband and my kids a heart attack. <laughs> Yeah, that would, like, because a wrong move could be bad. 
Yeah, I don't touch mushrooms. I know that. I know enough not to touch mushrooms. But like a lot of the greens and stuff that you're like walking right over, a lot of that's like salad stuff that you could throw in your salad, like dandelion greens and whatnot. Oh, really? There's a lot of weeds out there that are pretty edible. So, yeah. Just, you know, for our listeners out there, I recommend going to your library and finding books about, you know, foraging in your in your environment and there's even urban foraging believe it or not so you can literally pick up weeds between sidewalks yeah yeah i i uh i see a lot of dog walking around where i live where i live and i don't know that's true actually <laughs> same here maybe after a spring rain would be better yeah <laughs> yeah maybe just reflecting back on 2018 we've done a lot of work this year amy can you believe how many episodes we've gotten done? I can't. I, you know, I was thinking about that, actually. So we this is episode 24, and we started, I think we started April, not of this year, but the year before. So we're doing pretty damn good, I would say, when we, I mean, we're having more than one episode a month. Yeah. Oh, considering yeah. Considering we do this, like, on a spare, like, a spare, spare time. We're doing pretty damn good. Yeah. We feel good, good job, Melissa. Yeah. High five. High five, Amy. Good job, Amy. <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> but that does remind me uh, of our podcast as all the other amazing podcasts that are out there right now. Uh, I don't know. Most of you actually have time to listen to other podcasts, but sometimes I try to find some time. And I wanted to share since we're going into the new year to make sure other people know that there's a lot of other um you know, things, ways you can edu- get educated on issues and p- policy issues and even things like fundraising and leadership. You can get those in your ears now while you're doing the dishes. Um, I was going to name off a few of the podcasts that I really like to listen to. For example, um, Vox, everybody knows Vox. Vox, the impact is kind of new and it's all about policy at the local level. So for us leaguers, I thought this was really cool because sometimes we hear about neat policy. Like I talked about the democracy vouchers on a past episode and the, um, woman who leads the Vox, the impact podcast episode, she actually went and got interviews and studied the democracy vouchers as a policy to see if it was working. And so um, I recommend listening to that one for sure. Another one was they, her, of her episodes was about annexing parts of a town. So that was really interesting to hear how like these towns had exploded, they like, got really big. And then they just found that it was really expensive to run them and people weren't getting their services and both in the urban area as well as in the suburbs. And they they decided we just got to cut the suburbs off. And I can't even imagine what that would be like, but I recommend listening to that one. Housing Experiment in Baltimore was another cool episode. And then Funding Schools Fairly was another one. So uh, Vox is the impact. If you want to learn more about local policies so that you can go and advocate or for or against those policies in your own local community. And then also for the past few years, I've been listening to a podcast called No Jargon by Scholar Strategy Network. Uh, that policy or that pod brings scholars from all over to talk about social, economic, and political science issues. They also had a league member on there, my friend Kristen Goss. She was on there talking about women in politics a couple of years ago. So I was like, I know this is the real thing. This is awesome because she's awesome and teaches at Duke. <laughs> so that's a good one. Um, no jargon feel like if I keep listening to podcasts like these um, and bring new policy ideas from around the country that I'll have enough ideas that when I finally run for office or help a lo- my local community with policy changes, I'll have a lot of ideas to pull from. So I think um, the more you can listen to that's happening all over our country and that people are experimenting with is, is a good thing and you can help incorporate those ideas into your own communities. Yeah, and I, what I like about podcasts is that it's they're fresh. Like you don't have to mm-hmm. wait for um, someone to write the book and then that has to like be published. Like podcasts, you can get the information 
straight away. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Well, and I just, yeah, yeah, that's so true. I feel like it's like having um, college education in your ears. It's, you know, it's free. It's updated all the time. There's some real dark stuff out there, and there's some real light-humored stuff. So there's, like, all kinds. So speaking of podcasts, um, we want to encourage you to share information about the What Would Alice Paul Do podcast, our podcast that you are listening to right now. So please give us a review at the Apple Store, and also tell your friends to check us out. Um, And if you like what you hear, share us on your social media. Help us get the word out. Yeah, and we make these for you, so... If you have anything that you want us to cover, you know, give us a shout out. Uh, you can either message us on Facebook or Instagram or email us at alicepaulpodcast at gmail.com. For our Deeds Not Word segment, we're talking about how to craft a good story. Your story. Why craft your story? What I learned at the Progressive Leadership Project is values and your story is the apex of all your organizing. Once you identify your values and your story... You share that part of you with your community, volunteers, donors, and future supporters. Your story draws people into you, your passion, and your work. And it's really a powerful way to make an impact that doesn't require anything tangible. Um, What's really impactful about a story is that people will remember it more easily. That's just how humans are wired. So when you have a good story and you're able to share the impact of that work, um, maybe with some data points or some um, anecdotes, People, it will really resonate with folks. Yeah. Plus, storytelling is part of who we are. Um, and every everyone loves a good story. It captures our attention. And it goes back to our caveman days when we're, around, we're all sitting around the fire. Uh, so, stories provide the imagery we desire for deeper understanding of what surrounds us and helps us grapple with complex ideas. So stories are a way of sharing values and drama and what's at stake. And especially in the space that we're working in with the democracy space, there's a lot of stories that can and should be told um, so that we can get more people helping uh, to fight for voting rights and public financing and, you know, election reform. Um, We know that stories um, work because it humanizes issues. Um, It allows you to find or create a connection with other people. It also makes your issue or passion relatable and asks um, for empathy from your audience that you're talking to. So they will be moved to act, which is really the goal here. Stories also lay out the actors in a scene in a way that is understandable to anyone. We can tell these stories repeatedly for consistency in our messaging and in our asks. So what makes a story great? It needs to be relatable, likable, and be based in values that are universal. You know, the whole values that are universal and um, talking about like getting people to empathize with us through our storytelling reminds me of a lot of the deep canvassing that goes on in our work. And um, if in, in case you're not familiar with what deep canvassing is, that's when people, like we know what canvassing is. That's when people go from door to door trying to, you know, teach you about an issue, maybe get you to sign a, you know, petition or, you know, take their rack card for information or support a candidate. Um, but deep canvassing is to actually change hearts and minds where you have, you know, like for example, you might be talking about gay marriage and, you would actually say, say, you know, I am trying to get you to better understand where I'm coming from and my story. And so you'd actually potentially go into someone's house if they'll allow you to and sit and have a 30 minute conversation about, 
you know, what discrimination is and how, you know, have you ever experienced discrimination before? And then you would explain what your story is and how you have experienced discrimination and having by someone, you know, everyone feels in some way they have been hurt or helped or whatever. Um, that storytelling allows those people, those two people who, you know, normally might be on the street, might have nothing in common, but sitting there listening to each other's story will find that they actually have common ground and now can work together on a particular issue. It's really a very like important tool in your tool bag uh, that can get people to actually act and feel compassion for the work that you're doing. How do you find your story? Well, first you need to dig deep and ask yourself a few questions. So first, what will you be calling on others to do? What When I was in the Progressive Leadership Project, I was told we were going to write our stories and I thought I would be the A student and get a jump on my story by having it all written up before the weekend training began. I'm very it, shocked about this. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> doesn't sound uh, like it, you at all. I know. It's, it was like five, I, like, I wrote like five or seven pages of my story. <laughs> Once the storytelling telling training started, I realized I didn't answer the very first question. What did I want others to do after I shared my story? I went on and on about my dysfunctional past with an impossible and convoluted call to action at the end. So it was like, I remember the trainer was like, yeah, this is a great story. And you have five things that I think that you're trying to get me to do that don't like, there's no way I could do any of this. And it's like, you get completely lost in my story. So I had to go back and create my story on the fly after that. And surprisingly, it came a lot easier when I thought about what I wanted others to do after hearing my story. So you got to think the number one question is, what do you want others to do after they hear your story? So the second question is, uh, what values do you have that move you to action and might also inspire others to similar action? Our last episode in show 23, we talked about the importance of identifying your values and we offered you an exercise. And if you haven't done that yet, put us on pause and go do that now. No, for real. <laughs> you really need, uh, do need to get a handle on the, your values because those shape who you are and how you perceive the world and therefore injustice you see or experience. And it's what moves you to act. So know your values. Besides, imagine a story with a lot of numbers and facts that will never rock someone's world to do something meaningful. People can't dispute your lived experience and facts are easily discounted as fake news, especially today. Scientists have been telling humans about climate change since at least the 1970s and yet here we are still consuming and procreating like our future depends on it. So the third question, so after you got what you want them to do and you know your values and you can put that into your story, the third question to ask yourself before you craft your story is what past experiences from your life do you want to share with others? What stories can you tell about specific people or events that would show or rather tell how you learned or acted on those values? Was it something from your family or your childhood or your life choices like school or career or your partner or overcoming a challenge? Or did a role model or something you learned from a book or an experience shape this thing in your life and work that you want to share? Use something from what you know to shape your story. So an exercise for you to help with the brainstorming would be to write or draw some images. With a paper and pencil, draw four columns, and on the top of each column, label them. So the first column is challenge. In this column, you'd answer these questions. Why did you feel this was the challenge? What was so challenging, or why was it your challenge? And then the second column in choice 
you're, you're going to write choice and in this column answer these questions. Why did you make the choice that you did? Where did you get the courage? Or why didn't you get the courage? And where did you get the hope? Or where did you lose hope? So in the third column on this sheet, you're going to write outcome. And then the outcome column answer these questions. How did the outcome feel? Why did it feel that way? And what did it teach you? And what do you want to teach us? Lastly, the fourth column you want to write ask. You want to ask, answer these questions in that column. What is the strategic choice you're making asking others to make right now, this minute, to join you in action? Do you need money, volunteer time, support? You want to be specific. Um, do you need us to contact our lawmakers? And if you do need us to contact our lawmakers, what, it is, what is it that you want us to tell them? So like talking points. So in each of these columns, try drawing a picture about a challenge you faced, the choice you made, or that was made if it was some, by someone else, and draw the outcome and then draw your ask. What do you want the listener to do? By drawing instead of writing the images, you're already putting the imagery in your story. That way you will help bring the story to life in your own head and hopefully you can convey that to your audience. Just to recap on it, there's the four things on that document in the columns. And so at the, e at the top of each column, you want to have, you want to define what the challenge is, you want to define what your choice was, define what the outcomes were, and define what the ask is, what you're asking from your audience. And I love the idea of drawing the pictures out because I do think that really makes you visualize what mm -hmm. you're trying to convey. So that's very smart. Yeah, yeah. That, so we have that document um, that we got from the Virginia Progressive Leadership Project. And so we'll put it on our website so that, or at least a version, I'll maybe have to create my own, but we'll put that on our website so people can download it. Um, we really encourage you to do this exercise um, because really having your story figured out is really going to help you in these situations to get people to act. So, And you want to feel really confident when you're ready to share it because you might be sharing some um, information about yourself that is um, might feel vulnerable or... Um, that you want to make sure that you, um, you know, there's a risk you, and you want to be ready. Yeah. And if you're, if it, if it's too emotional, then you're not ready to tell that story. That was something that was told to us at our training is that, you know, if you, if you come to tears, this might not be the story or you might need to find a way that you can say your story without crying. And, and sometimes those stories are there and it just, you might just need some more time to, to come come with that one. You know, when you're telling your story, there are a few do, do's and don'ts that we want to um, share with you. So you do want to be very positive. Um, you don't want to get into confrontations, berate anyone or yell. Don't threaten anyone. Do be brief and concise. When Amy was telling me about the storytelling that she did at the Progressive Leadership Project, they were asked to tell their story in five minutes. And then um, she had to pare it down to four minutes and then to three minutes. So think of some good candidate videos you've seen on TV or social media. Um, when you go back and look at those, you'll see that they are very brief and concise. So um, make sure that you create your story in such a way that it emulates that. Um, make sure you don't get off subject or ramble. And uh, definitely don't make up any information or data. That's going to kill you. Um, we live in an age <laughs> of uh, technology and everyone is an expert with a phone in their hand. They will Google you. Google the information. Um, so it will be found out if you've reported something wrong um, and they will call you out. So yeah. um, 
just tell your story. And I always tell people it is okay just to say, I don't know. If someone asks you a question that uh, you don't know the answer to, always be respectful and say thank you. That's the brainstorming and crafting the main plot and ideas for your story. And I have to say, too, when we were at the Progressive Leadership Project, they showed us some like worst case scenario videos of candidates there. If you just Google, go to YouTube and put like worst candidate video, you are going to find like that you are going to be busting a gut. There is some funny stuff. One guy, he is like yelling at you and he's pacing and he was just running for some local board. And the whole time you're like, what did I do? Why is he screaming at me? It is so bad. It is so bad. Learn, learn from what, learn what not to do. Yeah. That's, that's how our training was opened up. Like you can only go up from here. Right. Right. Don't worry about this. You got this. As long as you don't scream at people. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. (laughs) So we hope, we hope that you'll try out these exercises. Uh, especially this drawing one, I think it'll be really helpful. In my training, the Progressive Leadership Project director and board had us not only write our story, but we had to give it 15 times in one day and then do it again a few more times the next day. And each time we presented it, we were given constructive feedback from our fellow cohort me- cohort members and from the teacher. And not everyone has this unique learning experience like we did, um, but you can work in, you can craft your story, you can share with your friends. I know that when I was trying to be that A student and I crafted my story, I called my friends up and I said, hey, can I give my story to you? And then like at the bus stop, I asked another mom, can you listen to my story? And I should have known then that it wasn't good because I looked at her face and she's like, what? <laughs> but you know, <laughs> live and learn. It's a little early, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but do share it with your family, share it with your friends. And uh, plus, maybe they could even fill in some holes that you might have forgot about in your story since, you know, they've been with you. And if you're leading a committee, a nonprofit, or planning to run for office, I strongly recommend you get your story nailed down and be able to give it with ease and confidence. It'll make a tremendous difference in how you feel and about who, um, how about how serious your audience takes you and your work. So I right now, like for Virginia, for example, we have a lot of people who are running for office, and so a lot of people are doing their first stumping and really need to have practiced your story before you do that first stump because it's going to make a world of difference. Uh, people really do remember, like first impressions, is it's a big deal. It, that, that's not just a cliche for nothing. So make sure you practice, practice, practice. The Progressive Leadership Project shared with us a model, role models, for so that we kind of had an idea of what to expect and what we should look like when we're giving our story. So we'll share those links with you um, on our website in the show notes so that you can kind of see what a good story looks like. And then, like I said, you can go and YouTube what a bad story looks like. Um, So you can have both pros and cons. What's really going to be helpful if you do your own story, and I'm pointing at Amy right now, um, (laughs) is if you uh, record yourself telling the story, because then you'll see how you look give you know telling Mm. your story and then that's even more feedback for yourself yeah melissa's pointing at me on skype right now because she said hey amy why don't you do your your story and i said nope (laughs) she cut that off she's like "Uh uh-uh but yeah i'm not i'm not quite ready to to go real live with mine yes i did practice but it's been like a month so i'm not i'm not ready yet yeah I understand that. Um, but yeah, so that's what that's what I plan to do is record myself. Yeah, that's a great idea. TV interviews too. Yeah, to yeah. The camera. No, that's a good idea. Okay, I'll practice. So to get you started in your brainstorm, um, make sure you check out our website, Alice Paul Podcast, um, where we'll have that worksheet that Amy described with the four columns. 
So print it out and um, craft your story and make sure you can share it with the world. Um, and as we find other neat resources for storytelling, we'll be sure to share them on our Facebook page. So be sure to follow us there and tell your friends to do the same. Um, if you have resources that help organizers or fundraisers do their work, please share them with us. And we're always looking for ways to support each other. This is the peeing in their boots moment, our activist alert. And if you're new to this podcast, the reason we call this segment peeing in their boots, it's because it is rumored that when Lucy Burns and Alice Paul were doing some investigating during the suffrage movement, they found themselves in a room that they were not supposed to be in. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and as lawmakers came into the room, the two heroes ran into a nearby closet to escape the lawmakers. And while they waited for the men to leave, Alice had to pee. With no way to leave, Lucy told her to pee in the boots, a lawmaker's boots, uh, that, were that were in the closet next to them. And that's the story, and we love it. We don't care if it's true or not. We like the story. <laughs> so we call this segment, which is our activist alert, peeing in their boots. Now you know. Our peeing in the boots activist moment is HR1. So it's House Bill 1. It's coming out um, with the, when the new Congress comes on January 3rd. It's their first piece of legislation that they're introducing. And if you ca in case you missed the email or the social media ask from the League of Women Voters of the United States, they need your help reaching out to U.S. House representatives to ask for public financing to be added to that bill. So the bill does a lot of really great things. For example, it's going to modernize our election system, reform redistricting, and restore the Voting Rights Act. Those are huge. That's great. But we still need your help to ensure that the key provisions of reducing the influence um, of big money in our politics is also included. You know, that's my number one issue is reducing the influence of big money in our politics. So if you have a chance, and I hope you will, contact your U.S. representative in your district and even the districts around you, and please ask them to support public financing and put it into H.R. 1. So again, that bill is H.R. 1. The new Congress comes into session January 3rd, 2019, and this is the first thing on their docket. It's a great bill, but it really does need to have public financing involved. This is Melissa Currents. And this is Amy Yersted. We ask, what would Alice Paul do? But it's more important what you're going to do. You have a story to tell. And we are confident that Alice Paul knew the value of a good story. She helped win women the right to vote with her marketing prowlness. So take some time and come up with your awesome story. Tell it to your friends and family and ask them to help you craft a story that resonates with listeners and brings them to your call to action. Until next time. Well, you're a nice PR person. Thank you. <laughs> I try, I try, but um, you know, I have my moments. <laughs> <laughs>